Welcome to Basecamp for Men. I'm your host, Tony Rezac. This is the show that gives you insights and resources on how to live a more courageous life. We'll be looking at men, the current state of masculinity, and how to create a more inspiring narrative for all men. Welcome and let's get started. We are in an unprecedented time. On a global scale, you're seeing a great awakening. Ordinary citizens of all colors, stripes, and political orientations are finding their voice and making it heard, and it's a beautiful thing to behold. The COVID narrative is crumbling to the ground. Can you sense it? Nobody gives a shit any longer. Everyone is ready for something new, and something new is most certainly coming. What is happening in the fiat cryptocurrency dynamic seems to be a reflection of what is happening in consciousness, a clear move into more sovereign ways of thinking and being, with structures such as Bitcoin to support our collective emergence. What happens when the blockchain revolution reaches every nook and cranny of our lives? A decentralized architecture without all the choke points and corruption we all know so well. It is easy to see how it revolutionizes money and transactions and how we store value, but how does this new paradigm impact voting? or medicine, or education, etc., etc. Because of the increasing speed of technology, this awakening is one that you can not only feel, you can see it like a great wave occurring. As my guest today points out, only the most brainwashed true believers will miss it. I, for one, am optimistic for 2022 and beyond. There's a lot going on in our favor right now, and by in our favor, I, of course, mean for we the people. We are not even to the end of the first quarter, and we have truckers across Canada building a freedom convoy. Will American truckers do the same? God, let's hope so. Anything that is built on a lie is collapsing or on the verge of collapse. We are in the process of strengthening the processes, structures, and inner knowing that will set us free. What a time to be alive. Mark Jeftovic is an author, CEO of EasyDNS, career contrarian and anti-guru, and one of the founding members of the post-punk band Parkdale Hookers. I love it. He is, in my opinion, offering a fresh take on our future and what is unfolding, particularly in the crypto space. I caught up with Mark to talk about, well, all the stuff we love to talk about. Here's my interview with Mark Jeftovic. Okay, I am here with Mark Jeftovic. Writer, thought leader, futurist, Bitcoin enthusiast, Mark Jeftovic. Mark, welcome to Basecamp for Men. It's great to have you on the show. Hey, Tony. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I've been really looking for, you know, I'm an, I'm an avid reader of the bomb thrower newsletter of yours. It's, it's something I look forward to reading. I feel like it, it kind of keeps me, keeps my finger on the pulse. I really like your writing and your thinking. Um, and I'm hoping this episode finds a lot of people that can come over and start to read your writing because I think it's really excellent and, and right and very relevant. And I guess my first question is, is how did you first get interested in Bitcoin? I know that could be a long answer. I'm looking to just be concise just because we have a lot to get to. Just a little bit of background. How did you first uh, notice Bitcoin or cryptocurrency? When did you first get uh, you know, interested where you started researching it? When did you start sort of purchasing or making investments in that space? Sure. I mean, that happened in 2013. Oh, wow. And how I got there, the, the, the way was paved for me a lot earlier because uh, I've been running a domain registrar web host based out of Toronto called EasyDNS since 1998. Mm. Started it with a couple of co-founders, bought them out around 2004 or five, I think. And after the dot-com bubble blew up, I became very interested in learning more about how financial markets worked, 
And I kept having to back up a step. Like in order to learn how financial markets worked, I had to learn how an economy worked and I had to back up from how an economy worked. And eventually I arrived at what is money. Mm-hmm. And that led me into Austrian school economics. It led me into sound money theories. And so a couple years later, we discovered, you know, there's a phenomena, uh, sort of a almost prototype cryptocurrency phenomena called digital gold currencies like mm. e-gold, e-bullion, PC Unix, gold money, which is still around today. Mm. And uh, we became the first and I think only domain registrar that was accepting e-gold as a currency, as a payment yep. for yep. services. So we just hung out a shingle. Some people started paying us in e-gold. We would cash it out into physical right away. We still have it to this day in our in our vaults and our safety deposit boxes. We have gold coins on the balance sheet. Mm. And so when Bitcoin, I discovered Bitcoin in 2013, I still feel like as a tech guy, I was a little late to the game, but I came across it instantly realized that this made up for all of the shortcomings that were problematic with things like e-gold. And uh, I thought this could be the real deal. And I got involved by seeking out podcasts and literature. And one of the podcasts I found was uh, Let's Talk Bitcoin, one of the original OG podcasts. So within, within days of discovering it, I became their first sort of non-crypto corporate sponsor from EasyDNS. And we've been sponsoring them on and off ever since. And within about three months after that, we hung out a shingle and we were the first domain registrar to accept Bitcoin. Wow. That's a pain. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah. And and that was how I amassed the vast bulk of my Bitcoin hodl was yeah. we earned it through our business. And I that's my recommended way for, for accumulating it actually. Yeah, that's beautiful. I mean, um, I think you're going to start seeing a lot more businesses go that way or a lot more private citizens accumulating this way, you know, by being entre- being entrepreneurs and saying, pay me in Bitcoin or pay me in, you know, Tom Brady said, pay me in Bitcoin, Ethereum or car- or uh, Solana. So I think you're going to start seeing a lot more of that, you know, in, in your uh, manifesto, you wrote the Crypto Capitalist Manifesto, which I loved. Uh, I downloaded that. And you said, um, it's not about if governments will permit Bitcoin, it's will governments survive Bitcoin. And you also said, no matter what happens, the nation state monopoly over the issuance of money is over. That's why it really doesn't matter if the government bans crypto, because you you hear that a lot from people that are maybe not, uh, they're not invested yet. But they're skeptical, you know, these I got I know a lot of smart guys that are not in the space yet. And they're like, well, what happens if the government ban, you know, and I'm like, I don't think you're seeing this quite right. I don't think I think you have it backwards. And so I just wanted to give you a chance because I think a lot of people out there that are not watching a lot of cryptocurrency YouTube videos or they're not, you know, they're not on the pulse at all. They're saying, well, I don't want to I don't want to go this direction because what happens when the government just says, oh, we're just going to ban it. I, I don't think it's possible, but I wanted to get your thoughts on it. Yeah, we're well past that point, especially here in what I'll call the the nominally free, you know, mm. Western 
democratic countries um, where we we do have property rights, where we do have a legal due process. And at this point, quite frankly, there's too much money involved and there's too much um, there's too much of the system piling into the new system. So if it was going to happen, they would have tried it a long time ago or they should have tried it a long time ago. Now, What'll happen here in the West, I'm fairly certain, well, we're already seeing it. There's going to be regulations around the on-ramps and the off-ramps. You're going to get taxed on your, your large capital gains. This is not news. It's just the way, you know, the way things are for a while. Yeah. But the, the, the big takeaway, though, the, you know, the, the holy tome of Bitcoiners is the, the book, The Sovereign Individual by yeah. uh, James Dale Davidson, Lord Rees Moggs. Um, not the Reese Moggs you see around on Twitter these days. It was his father, actually. Anyhow, uh, the big takeaway was that the architecture of power had changed irrevocably with the decentralization and asymmetric key pair cryptography. It just changed the changed the architecture. So everything that governments are doing now to try anything that they could do now to try and ban it would just be trying to deal with the architecture of an old system, one that's outgoing. So the game has changed. The playing field has changed. We're past banning it, at least here in the West. Um, And I think, I I think it's going to become pretty self-evident even as early as by the end of this year. So, yeah, Yeah. I, you know, it's, it's funny. I, I, I've been following crypto, you know, not as early as you, but um, in the last few years, I've gotten very, very interested. And, you know, I hadn't seen the Catherine Austin Fitz. I, I think, you know, she's a very, very respected economist. And I think I read a piece of hers. It might have been or a friend uh, forwarded me something from Zero Hedge. Um, and, you know, they're, they're bearish on fiat as well. Um, but I was a little surprised because Catherine Austin Fitz basically said she thought that crypto was a scam, meaning, mm-hmm. meaning that she thought um, crypto was, it was being prototyped by the deep state, by the globalists, uh, to, to see which were the bugs that would emerge, to see what the adoption rates, you know, basically test the waters before they roll out. Um, their own central bank digital currency, which of course they're going to do. But, um, you know, it made it sound like stay, you know, her take was stay away from it because it's all kind of poisoned. And I was like, I don't think she has that. I don't think that's possible for it. I mean, I guess abstractly I can picture it, but I just don't think that's what's going on. And I don't know if you read that article or were aware of, of, of her take on that, which is, um, that, that's a, a pretty drastic take from what I've been reading and, and, and listening to. Yeah, I'm aware of, I'm, I'm more than aware of Catherine Austin Fitz. I was a subscriber of hers for years. Uh, we've exchanged emails in the past. I've cited her in a lot of my blog posts. I really think there, it's common for people who haven't really dived in, div, di, dove, divin? I think dove. <laughs> yeah. Really done a, people who haven't done a really deep dive into this, it's easy to conflate cryptocurrencies, decentralized cryptocurrencies with centralized central bank digital currencies. Yep. And I can, there's two things I'll say to that. One is, you know, what if this was secretly created by the CIA? My answer to that is, if true, it doesn't matter. 
because this is open source software. So the reason Bitcoin is taking over the world isn't because they think a modern day Prometheus created it. Um, it, It's not taking over the world based on some premise that would be nullified if it turned out that it was created by some deep state apparatus. It's taking over the world because of what the code is and what the code does. And the code is open source and anybody can read it. Mm -hmm. So you can look at it and everyone who's running miners and everyone who's running wallets and everybody who's running validators, they know what they're running. And if there was some deep, dark secret inside it, uh, you would know about it. Everyone would know about it and no one would run the code. Mark, do do you think, do you think, we're heading towards kind of a two-tiered system where you would see the sovereign uh, citizen of the world with, you know, open source Bitcoin and other altcoins that are that provide different utility for the way that we go about the world in the next 10, 20, 50 years. And then another tier that's really is tied to kind of credit system and a central bank currency where they're saying, look, not everybody has any assets or understands this. So here's, you know, we're going to give you $3,000 of, you know, fed coin, but you got to get more vaccines and you got to shop only at these stores. And, and I mean, could we see that kind of bifurcation in how cryptocurrency rolls out with, with a central bank currency versus the open source Bitcoin and others? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that that was the other defining feature I was going to mention. And this is how you're going to tell the difference between a centralized central bank digital currency and a decentralized cryptocurrency is who holds the private keys for the currency. Mm-hmm. If you can hold your own private key and it's an open source crypto, then it's a decentralized empowering cryptocurrency. Yep. If the central, if the private keys, if there are even private keys, I mean, it might just as easily be a digital ledger if it's a central bank digital currency, mm-hmm. then that's 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 going to be the rails for universal basic income, for modern monetary theory, and China-style social credit. Absolutely. I mean, I think it's a no-brainer. You look, you download the white papers from the Canadian, uh, the Bank of Canada, from other countries that are thinking about this, it, they come out and say it right yeah. in there. So, I mean, I, I don't think, I tend to not think of these things conspiratorially. I think about them in terms of dynamics. So okay. there's nobody up at the top of the the food chain saying this is, you know, this is how we're going to run the world. There's just a couple of dynamics going and and it's sort of pushing things into, you know, this bifurcation. I wrote a couple of articles on it called the great bifurcation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. You, uh, you know, you were mentioning that you have been cash heavy in your investments throughout your investing life. And that sometimes you maybe were like, eh, you know, I kind of missed uh, having X in the markets. You know, I've been an equity investor for 25 years and now a and now a cryptocurrency investor for the past few. But there's always, and I've gotten more cash heavy because I'm bearish right now. I think I, I I'm not pulling out of equity markets and I think they're going to take a beating, but I'll going to try to buy more when they take a beating because I think those companies are still going to offer a lot. But there's always the question, are you are you still holding cash 
Or are you kind of starting to go, look, Bitcoin is my cash, like some companies like MicroStrategy or Tesla, where they're saying, look, uh, we're, we don't like cash anymore. We're just going to hold, we like Bitcoin a lot. That's going to be our new cash. Because to me, it still feels uh, like a, it's volatile and it's a different risk profile than cash. But I got to be honest, I don't feel that comfortable holding cash no matter where I have it. Um, I just feel a little bit like, uh, I'm twiddling my thumbs and I'm just kind of like, eh, you know, is that okay for now? You know, uh, I don't know what your thoughts are. If that has evolved over time, um, and you're maybe less cash heavy than you were, you know, say a few years ago. I am less cash heavy. I'm still pretty overweight cash. And mm-hmm. one of the reasons why is if I take some of that cash and put it into Bitcoin, I can't bear to ever part with it. In terms I know. Of that. I know. Right? That's the, yeah. That's the and thing so, is I don't, I don't ever want to sell my Bitcoin. So it's like, well, that's not quite the same as having cash, you know? So, right. And yeah. I want that cash. So the cash that I have is my liquidity for shocks. That's one yeah. thing. Like I'd hate to have to liquidate Bitcoin to, to, to weather a shock to the system. Yeah. And the other is, is for um, opportunistic investing. Yeah. So um, if I'm going to buy a company or, or make a big investment, I, kind of want to use cash for that. Yeah. Not, not crypto. So, but I am, I'm over, I am less overweight cash, overweight crypto, still into gold, still into silver. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, um, specific equities and, and just businesses. Yeah. That's great. Um, what do you think about altcoins? Are you bullish on altcoins? Is there some that you like in particular? What's your, what's your thought? I mean, I see a lot of people, some, you know, I've kind of a little bit taken my stock uh, uh, mentality, which is uh, uh, diversify, not wildly, but I, I am more diversified than people that I know that are in one single, you know, usually Bitcoin, you get a bit Bitcoin Maximus and they're just like, I'm not really interested in that. Was the other altcoins for me, I feel like just maybe because of 25 years of spreading my, my investments around, I kind of do the same thing in crypto. I don't know. Uh, what your thoughts are on diversification or altcoins in particular? Yeah, I'm I'm similar minded, but I will say I I haven't seen anything come along better than Bitcoin. Yeah. Like I it, ideologically, I guess I'm a bit of a Bitcoin maximalist in that sense. Like I just don't think anything comes close. Yeah. But with my investor head on or my investor hat on, I look at it and say, it doesn't really matter what I think about it. What matters is that there is an investment thesis for a lot of this, yeah. uh, Ethereum especially. But beyond that, um, there what I what I do look for and think are the real deal are you're gonna have you're gonna have all of these like niche crypto crypto niche cryptos springing up that fulfill specific roles or tasks that. Um, might not be fully suited for something like a Bitcoin or even an Ethereum. And I'll give you an example. Because I'm a DNS guy and I've been running a domain company for over 20 years, I like Handshake. And I like ENS, uh, like we're involved in the Ethereum name service initiative as well. But So things like that, I say, well, this is, this is going to disrupt its own space. And uh, it makes sense to have bit of this token or a bit of this coin as an investment because if if this investment thesis plays out then this ecosystem is going to gain in value so yeah um yeah part, that's part, 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 part of i think what people the challenge is we don't like other than like we can see bitcoin as a store of value um 
but some of the other ones, Ethereum, like even the big ones, Ethereum, Cardano, Solana, like it can be difficult to see how it's going to impact our day-to-day life. I think sometimes, myself included, I'm like, I really don't know when, you know, how the NFT space impacts my life 10 years from now. I don't know how Cardano, um, do I intersect? Am I, am I, am I active in that blockchain for some way, shape or form? Like, I think it's because we don't see it. Um, it can be difficult to see what the applications are going to be. And I think that's part of what the reason why there's a lot of maybe older guys that, that are money smart, that are just like, I just don't understand what the heck this is. And it's like, yeah, I know that a lot of people are trying to figure this out. Right. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's half the battle. So I'll just quickly say, like, I think Bitcoin is the gold standard of crypto and will remain so for the foreseeable future. And everything against that is an execution layer, Mm. right? Even if it doesn't really pin to Bitcoin at all. Mm -hmm. So I'm playing with helium miners, for example. Mm -hmm. Okay, there's a use case. We know exactly what it does. It's creating a lo-fi mesh network that's open to all IoT devices. It's growing like wildfire. And you don't even really have to know anything about crypto to plug in a hotspot in your office or your house and just run some hotspots around town that are just supporting the network and staking Mm. the network and earning Mm. you a return there. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, there's, there's all these like niche applications and in the future, in 10 years, you will, the whole crypto layer may be completely abstracted away from you. Right. And it's just running under the hood of something that is a blockchain or yeah. a smart contract. Yeah. I like I like what you I like what you said when you said Bitcoin is the short everything, kind of the short the status quo. Cause I know a lot of people that are that are bearish on the status quo for a lot of reasons, even people that aren't, you know, tapped into the the pulse of this, uh the the sentiment is bearish right now. Um, and I think, I think that's a wise, like little meme, you know, that it's a, it's a short everything status quo and a place to store value when this thing kind of starts to unravel a bit. Cause it just looks like fiat is not sustainable. Um, to your point, there's a lot of anti fiat investment right now, whether that's silver, gold, crypto, uh, real estate, uh, whatever, whatever the case business is, whatever the case may be that, um, there's not a lot of optimism right now in that space, in that fiat space that I can see. Yeah. I mean, it used to be, um, you couldn't even talk about it in polite company that someday the U.S. dollar would cease to be the world reserve currency. And now it's it's more like an over-under, like how much longer is it going to last? Right, right. I think, I think this whole idea, just parenthetically, I'll say this whole idea around stable coins is sort of a realization that the U.S. dollar is in its home stretch in its mm-hmm. current form and that a U.S. dollar pegged stablecoin properly regulated could give an additional couple decade runway to the U.S. dollar and uh, possibly of currency status. Uh, but you know, everybody knows it. Fiat currency is going to zero. They never have not gone to zero. Mm-hmm. So you know, this is the this is the global opt out, the great opt out that yeah. gets you out of that out of that train wreck. Yeah. Yeah. I never thought, I mean, now that you mention it, the the stable coins do seem like, 
uh, a little bit of a cushion, a little bit of a, a, a buffer to, you know, just meltdown, right? Um, that there, it could buy some time because uh, people are going to be freaked out. I think I, I don't, you know, there's a lot. Of, I see a lot of dire predictions about what it would look like. Um, you know, we've seen some some market crashes in our lifetime, you and I. But this is this is people are predicting this one could be really, really something to behold, you know, something you don't ever see, but once every, you know, a thousand years or whatever they're saying. So, um, yeah. yeah. Um, go ahead. Crazily enough. I'm not, uh, I'm not pessimistic though. No, like I think, I yeah. think the monetary system is going to like disintegrate and be rebuilt, but overall I'm like bullish on society. Me like, too. We're, we're on our way to a Star Trek society where yeah. I'm not a transhumanist, but I, you know, we're moving into a biotech age. We're moving into a nanotech age. And uh, as long as we get some of the core premises that protect individual sovereignty and freedom, which cryptos do, yeah. um, it's going to be a golden era once we get through the the tumult, you know, this turmoil of this of this one system transitioning into the other. Absolutely. I'm with you on that. Totally in alignment with you. Also, there's, I think there's, there's probably advanced uh, health technologies that have been suppressed a bit. And that, that's something that could really come online in the next five to 10 years is some of these, you know, I, I think that we're really seeing the, the monetary decentralization, but as blockchain starts to impact more and more industries, I think you're going to see drastic radical changes for humanity on the pro-humanity side, um, not to mention that blockchain in voting would basically uh, uh, fix the voting, right? There would be no of these, you know, trucking in votes for Biden in the middle of the night kind of thing like we saw in 2020. So that's for another day. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, dude, yeah. Canada, fucking the, <laughs> the truckers. I love these guys. So fucking tr- trucking across the country. People waving signs, this pro, uh, and I, I, they're saying that the American truckers are organized. They're going to do the same thing, which I, I so hope they do because this is exactly the sort of thing. I was talking to a fellow patriot at the gym the other day, and and I said, dude, I hope the I hope the truckers here, uh, you know, do the same thing. And he says, yeah. He goes, I don't even care if they disrupt the supply line. I'll eat one small meal a day for freedom until they get it all worked out, and you know get rid of these ridiculous mandates and, and these, you know, people thinking that mandates are laws and just restore the freedom. I'm, I'm really excited. I I'm really optimistic right now. I think 2022 is going to be a fantastic year for, for people that love freedom, people that love sovereignty. Um, um, are you seeing, uh, you know, I saw that you wrote only the most brain, you said, uh, more people are waking up. Only the most brainwashed true believers will cling to the failed narrative, unquote. I thought that was brilliant. And I'm seeing a lot of people center, even center left, that are like, oh, it's it just looks like they've been lying about this and this, and they didn't tell the truth about the vaccines. People are still getting it. So um, there's a lot of questioning going on, uh, not just on the right side or the libertarian side. So I'm I'm super optimistic. Uh, I don't know what you're seeing in your part. You're in Ontario. Are you? Is there a big awakening there? Are you starting to hear more and more people talking about what's going on? It's hard to measure sometimes, but I really do feel like the pandemic is over. Uh, COVID is done. Yep. And there's going to be some tension over the next few months between what I call the the never enders versus the never againers, yep. right? Yep. Yep. Uh, p- 
people are done to death with this left, right, center. Um, for the most part, they just, you know, they just want to get on with their lives. And uh, this trucker thing, it's really, I really felt like um, they've been underestimated at every turn. Yep. There's a lot of, I think, I don't want to sound like uh, like an NPC, but there's a lot of misinformation. I mean, yep. you know, I, I think, and I was just having a conversation before I came on the the the, the session with you. Um, guys, you know, swastikas, Confederate flags, really? Like, I don't think so. Like, you know, if it, if it was, if it was, um, if it was, if it was a characteristic of the convoy, we would have seen a lot more of it. It would, it would be there, but it was just such, anyway, I don't, I don't want to get bogged down in that, but I really do think like it's happening in other parts of the world and uh, it's already claimed one politician here in Canada, the mm-hmm. Conservative Party, I think, realized that the people, they're supposed to be the loyal opposition and they weren't opposing anything at the right. federal level. Right. And so they got rid of their leader and they put somebody else in. She's an interim leader. So she's the way I understand it. She can't run for the, the leadership when they have the convention. But she's saying a lot of the right things now, Candace Bergen. And she's so yeah. I think. The, the the opposition party federally at least woke up and said people want us to oppose this so that's what we're gonna do yeah and uh, so that started and um you just see provinces one by one you see countries around the world you see municipalities you're just seeing people saying we're done the mandates are over we'll watch the numbers we still recommend you get you know we still officially recommend vaccination, whatever, but it's your choice. And that's what it should have been all the way along. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Trudeau's done, dude. He's, he's He's done. done. He's He's over. I just, I, 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 every day he makes it through it, that he's still the leader of the party is astonishing to me. I think he'll be, He'll be gone by next week, probably. Yeah, yeah. He's on the way out. And, and you know, you're going to see in 2022, we're, we're, we're walking this with you. I think you're going to see a lot of fresh leadership uh, here in, this, in different states, but also on the national level. I think there's going to be a wave coming through as more and more people wake up. Um, and, uh, yeah. Well, Mark, thanks so much for coming on Basecamp for a minute. It's so great to have you on the show. Do you got any uh, creative projects, uh, anything you'd like our listeners to know about before we get off the show? Well, thanks for having me on, Tony. Uh, sure. My day job is I run a company called EasyDNS.com, and we do web hosting and domain registrations and emails. So if any of your listeners want to register a name or host a website, head over to EasyDNS.com. You can use, let's create a coupon code Basecamp, gets you half off your initial purchase. Great. And then my uh, where I write about all this stuff is over on bombthrower.com. And then I do the coverage of the crypto stocks and the altcoins over at the cryptocapitalist.com. Beautiful. Thanks so much for coming on Basecamp for me. And it was really great to chat with you. I thought this was a really valuable uh, episode. And I appreciate all the insight and wisdom that you bring to the show. So thanks so much for coming on today. Thanks, Tony. Happy to be here. 
I hope you enjoyed our time with Mark Jeftovic. I love his newsletter in bomb at bombthrower.com. And for Mark's insights into what is happening and more importantly, how to secure your financial future and make some money off this paradigm shift, go subscribe to www.thecryptocapitalist.com. He's one of eight or 10 people that I like to track in the futurist crypto blockchain space. And lastly, if you're a fan of the show, please consider donating. A small monthly donation or a one-time donation are both greatly appreciated. And once again, thank you, my listeners. That's our show for today. Thank you for listening. Men, good luck in all your endeavors and good luck on your hero's journey. This is Tony Rezac, and you're listening to Basecamp for Men.